0: welcome to the big brain media podcast episode i believe this is episode five now i'm here with little arty good morning and uh we're going to talk a little bit about uh art commissions and uh everything involved with that
1: Alrighty. so where did you want to start with uh this big topic because it's a big big topic where, where do you want to start <laughs>
0: I like to, to the question you actually had here to start off things at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you wanted to speak a little bit about client artist etiquette. Yes. And um, you've mentioned here how to approach an artist for commission. Mm-hmm.
1: So and we're approaching an artist or a graphic designer or someone who you want services for, whether it's for streaming or whether it's for just something in general? Generally, they usually have a contact form on a website or you might be able to Getting, make an initial point of contact through like a social media account. For me, uh, I use, uh, I have, a, I'm fairly flexible. I generally prefer people sort of giving me a nudge through my website. But in terms of that, I'm also flexible. I've had conversations with clients via Twitter or Instagram or Discord even. It's the same sort of thing when you're, if you're still approach, approaching an artist, like you would being a customer in a store. You know, if there's a certain way you are expecting to be treated by the artist. But there's also a way that you, as the potential client, uh, can act with courtesy and respect. That's, I guess, fairly common sense, but it's not always something that we think about. We think, okay, I'm just approaching them for X, Y, or Z. They should give me X, Y, or Z, and it should be a fairly straightforward transaction. However, unfortunately, I've seen instances on client sides and on the side of the creative person where that doesn't always happen, and it actually makes me sad particularly when I've had clients come to me and going, I've had a bad experience getting work made by an artist because this or that happened. And I feel like, okay, being aware of that is good because you can then approach it sort of a bit more delicately with them and understand that they've had a really bad experience. So you want to make sure that their experience with you is like exceeds their expectation.
0: Is, is professional and to the expectation, like you Yeah,
1: so this for me, I've come from a retail background, so it's essentially being a self-employed person, which most artists are, you are effectively using customer service. There's a customer service element to your work because you're a small business person. You are the face of your creative practice, and they are coming to you because they have seen your work and they like it. Someone might have recommended them. Like social media is uh, a big form of word of mouth. It is a very powerful tool, it has positives and it also has negatives so if someone has a bad experience with an artist it will go everywhere. Likewise if an artist has a bad experience with a client uh, it can also go that way as well. So essentially manners don't cost anything for you the client or the artist. It's common courtesy, treat people with respect and you know, provide what the client wants, but also the client needs to be clear on what they want as well because creatives aren't magicians and magical people. We we make great stuff, but we're not, you know, we're not superpowers.
0: This sort of leads into your next question for a topic as mm-hmm. well, which is uh, communicating what you want in your commission. Mm. With my wife streaming as well, I've sort of um, – I've seen both sides of this. She can she can be a little bit vague on what she wants sometimes. So she's sent through design briefs to artists that are sort of like, you know, I want a, a cute cute drawing of me for my, um, what are they called? The uh, emote on Twitch. Mm. Yes, but you need to – how do you want it emoting? How do you want it to look? You know, you need to go into some detail. Yeah, that's it. Whereas um, – on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm, I'm very meticulous in how I want my things. So I've actually done up um, essentially mock-ups like drafts. Oh, nice. To send through to artists that um, I want them. Basically, I've given them the, the rough outline said, this is kind of what I want, but I am no artist. <laughs> but you know what?
1: That's great. Um, I've had clients, when I've done business graphics and logos and things, go, I've got this really rough sketch on piece of paper or a napkin or a post-it note and they've gone, I don't know if there's any good. I don't know if you could do anything with this. And I've just looked and just gone, that is awesome. I actually feel really special when a client goes, I don't know if this is any good, but can you do something with this? And it's like most of the times I can, or I can take a big point of inspiration from that and never underestimate the power of a simple scribble on a piece of paper going, I want something kind of like this, even if it's very sketchy and, that's fine because that's not your job. You're going to the artist for a commission. But, yeah, just be brave. Doodle something down of what you want. It is an amazing point of reference that artists can use because that the more time we as artists have to spend looking for your reference pictures because you've given us a verbal description or a written description, the longer it takes for your commission to get going because we're spending a chunk of your commission time on research.
0: It, it gives you a jumping off point and sort of – the outline, instead of having to try and figure out what that uh, sort of outline of the picture is that they want, a rough scribble sort of points you in the right direction straight from the get go. Mm. Is that right? Yeah,
1: that's it. And it's essentially the puzzle piece that we need to get the bigger picture. And that helps a lot, but it also shows that you're invested in as yourself in what you're looking at. And if you can, even if you can't draw, if you're not feeling like you can confidently scribble something down, that's absolutely okay maybe just do a quick google search of what you're thinking of and go hey i found these sorts of images i can't draw it i don't know how to draw it but this is roughly kind of what i'm thinking of and then it's in terms of what i would like the other thing i would add to that is that make sure that when you're approaching us the the style of what you're wanting for a finished piece is a style of work that is kind of fitting with what they do i've had to uh, turn down periodically commissions for work that it's a, i'd love you to, to say I could do that style of work but if I'm an honest person it's not something in my skill set but I've tried to find other artists who can do that sort of yep. work so I can point the you know that person in the direction of these artists might be more of what you're looking for
0: because yep. i have i've have seen a lot of artists sort of they have their styles in which they can work with i won't i won't say their particular style because some artists are quite flexible in what they can do but I've seen that if you look at their portfolios, there's sort of their lanes that they mm. they can do very well. If you are someone who was uh, good at more of that, I can't think of the the word for it. Like the cartoonish, um, the chibi look is what I'm I'm thinking, yeah. but I don't know what the actual name is for that.
1: No, chibi is what you'd be looking w- at. It's a particular style oh, of anime okay.
0: um, that
1: I've oh. had, It's actually quite a technical style of drawing as well. I've given it a shot here and there. There are specific rules about proportions and placement and styling, and it's it's a beautiful art style of art. It's it's just very complex if you're not used to it.
0: Yep. Oh, I've learnt something today. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But if you find an artist who's skilled in that, and you ask them to do more of a um, lifelike drawing, like you can't expect them to breach too far out of their lane if they're not used to. Doing that uh, art style? Well, that's it. And
1: if you're wanting a certain art style, look for the artists that do that particular style. It's kind of like if we say looked at fashion, for example, there are different styles of fashion because not everyone wants to wear the same thing or everyone feels the same way about certain styles of clothing, and there are different palettes of styles for different tastes. Art's kind of like that, particularly in the realm of Twitch, uh, It's there are lots of different ways to approach an emote or a sub badge or graphics for streams. And there are a huge range of artists that do exceptional work. I've got a lot of artists that I follow on Twitter and Instagram that just their work is just phenomenal. Uh, it's sort of my aspiration point.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: So, yep. Uh, uh. as an artist who's come into digital art quite late, I've only discovered the Twitch platform about three years ago, three to four years ago. Uh, through my partner Jackson Midnight who's an animated streamer um and I was like what is this Twitch thing what are these things they like they look like emojis oh they're emotes. so like, okay and I just started you know started streaming myself and I was like oh, maybe I need to look at some stuff like this so I dabbled in a bit of digital art and have sort of self-taught myself the way but yeah some of the other artists out there that do some of this stuff I've just like look at it and just go oh my gosh how do you do it there's, like I said, there's art, different art for different styles. And I, for me, do. I'm traditionally more of an abstract style artist. So my figurative work's quite minimalist, lacking in details, mostly sort of mini, more linear and more fluid. And I do a lot of like abstract, sort of structured line work. Then Twitch graphics kind of just came out of necessity. And then that came, turned into commissions. I think we can look at Badger and Neil for that. And um, he's like, he called a Philippe one day and he's like, so, um, you can make emotes. Yeah. I'm like, well, I can try. And so that's kind of how it started. That was the point when I started, because I made some of my own and tried doing a few other things and, you know, I was doing a few things to sort of stream graphics for friends. And yeah, that's kind of how that came about. But logo wise, I just was dabbling and making my own stuff. And then I had a friend who had an art studio who's like, I don't know who else to ask, but can you maybe just try and do something with this sketch that I've got? She gave me a paper sketch via like scanned in by email and that's how that started. And I predominantly work with what's known as a vector in terms of uh, line work. Yep. And uh, so when I do digital art, a lot of graphics, that's a lot of vector work. I find it a bit easier because I can just go, here's the shape that I want and this is what I want to do with it. But, you know, I am dabbling in digital art. It's a huge realm again. Like it's It gets you thinking outside the box. Finding the right artist for the right style of what you're wanting is also like hunting, finding the right, right, right shoe. You've, it's got to fit. Um, and there, is, there are plenty of shoes out there and they, they, they will fit certain people with certain styles and certain requirements. If we can then maybe bridge yep. that to maybe our next point which is, if say you have found an artist you like and you can't maybe afford them or what they're looking at doing for you isn't quite what you're looking for. I know that there's that term of ghosting which is usually applied to online dating and such but just don't do it to artists.
0: It's, it's <laughs> pretty accurate, though. Um, a friend of mine got a commission done, practically finished. It was pretty much on his last, like, uh, go-overs.
1: Yep, that last
0: little bit. Yeah, where they were tweaking it. And I've gone to, uh, to them and I've seen this art and I said, um, it doesn't quite look like what I pictured you were after. And they said, yeah, oh, it's not really what I wanted either. Mm. And I've gone, oh, Maybe this should have been cancelled, like before it got to the point where it was at pretty much the final copy. Yeah, <laughs> because I think it was it came down to that they commissioned it from an artist whose style didn't match what they're after, mm. but they didn't realise that until like the final draft.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that that's almost on parallel with like if you're going to a store and you've you've bought something because you you're settling for something because it's not quite what you're wanting but it's almost what you wanted and then having that bio regret afterwards and then not yep. feeling confident enough to go i didn't want this but i'm staying with it because and again that gets down to communication between the client and the artist the client needs to feel confident that they can say to the artist i'm not sure if this is working again also have some level of diplomacy intact when you're saying that as well uh, because if you're not yeah, sure if you're yeah. liking it and yeah. you're not sure it's going the direction, there are yeah, ways you're, you're to... You're
0: not f- looking to upset them, which is actually exactly what um, this person was having trouble with, was they didn't want to upset the artist, but mm. if if when they got to like, the, the sketch, the outline, they weren't happy with that, they probably should have approached it then. That's
1: the point to do you know, it.
0: Before the commission had gone along. Yeah. So in the end, they sort of just sucked it and played yeah. it. And I'm like, uh... Yeah, that's not really the best way to do it. But. No,
1: and that's hard. And that's hard on the artist as well as the client because if the artist realizes the, the client's not happy, you kind of feel bad when you, it doesn't quite, like there's a miscommunication and things don't quite pan out the same way. Like you don't get off or you don't get off quite on the right foot. And that's just human-to-human human interaction there as well. And that can happen. Uh, it happens in a lot of different fields and it's about navigating that and being... I guess treating each other with care because if you as the artist put yourself in the client's shoes of what they're expecting, but at the same time, you the client needs to put yourself in the artist's shoes of going, I need to maybe communicate X, Y, or Z of what I wanted. So if you're wanting blue shoes on an emote, what kind of blue shoes are you wanting on your Azure emote? I do a lot of object-based emotes, not a lot of people emotes. I I don't know, I get fascinated by making object into emotes and things, but Yeah. It's a case of, you know, what, what is the point of reference? And if you're mentioning a game as a reference for an emote or a badge, for example, include maybe a screenshot of what you're thinking of from that game. Because not all artists will obviously know all the video games and just how it happens, but yeah, essentially always being clear with the the artist as to what you're wanting and for asking, you're okay to ask how they, do do they need payment upfront? Most of them will have it on their website or do they need a deposit? uh do what are their payment methods uh, how, yeah. how you can you're welcome to ask that that's okay to ask because that's important for you to know because for me as an artist I generally pop out an estimate first and if you okay that estimate then I'll continue with the work and that way at the end when it's done you're aware of what the bill is not all artists do that everyone's and got their own way
0: that's something that I've sort of come more to terms with the older i get is that money money is really a fact of life you can't be shy about it so when it comes to commissioning an artist you do just sort of have to ask like how much is this going to cost <laughs> like you can't be shy about trying to find out uh, how much the commission will be just like you said an estimate and payment details how do you want to be paid how, how do we get the money across here because it's just something that needs to be done
1: well that's it and like also bear in mind because a lot of because twitch and youtube and streaming platforms originated overseas a lot of their client base for some creators are in us us dollars so if you're not sure what currency it's in ask that because that's another way to avoid that what price is this going to actually be because if it's in USD and you'll think it's an AUD, you're going to be in for a surprise when you get the bill, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, for me, I've, I'm Australian Australia. Actually... I price in Australian dollars. Everything I price on my website is Australian yep. dollars uh, because that's the currency my brain automatically works in.
0: And that's kind of like that's what most people will do is price within their local currency without necessarily saying so mm-hmm. because that's what they do with day-to-day. I had a, a recent interesting one where i did a um a charity and did it through uh tiltify mm-hmm. and unknowing to me the only campaign available for that charity was in us dollars but didn't outright explicitly say that because it was the only campaign going for that oh um so much to my supporters surprise <laughs> when they started donating money to this campaign and found out that uh there was a conversion from Australian dollars to US, mm-hmm. so if they put in $20, it would come up and charge them however much, $26. Yeah, that, that bites. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I've um, sort of been on the what would be, typically be the artists and in this uh, situation where I was accidentally uh, charging people more uh, because I sort of didn't read between the lines that perhaps cause this campaign's the only one that it would be American. <laughs> and
1: that's, but that's again, partly on the, you know, people putting that information on the platform that should have been a bit clearer to you, the content creator who was trying to do the streaming for that charity or on that platform that should have been clearer to you. And that's unfortunate and it is literally three characters to say that that pricing point is in usd and for you not to have that information is you can only work with what you can work with and if you don't have that information is you make if you feel bad because they've paid more than what you're expecting them to pay and they were expecting to pay and it's also you feel bad because you've got a got a conscience because you didn't want to do
0: the wrong thing by yeah. people. And, and the same thing completely applies to, to payment with artists and no one's happy doing that. As an artist, you're charging this price and you don't want someone to be upset because all of a sudden in that local currency, it's more. And from a client perspective, you know, if you see a price of $20 and you pay that and then it comes up as extra, you're also you know, don't want that surprise of paying extra as well, so. Well,
1: that's it. And for me, that's why I personally put out an estimate to a client first and that way they know roughly where it's at. I mean, obviously, if they change and add a few more things into their commission while we're on the process, then obviously that's going to change the outcome. But I'll, you know, you know courtesy let them know that, hey, this is going to change here. Do you want it re-estimated, sent out sort of thing? Most of them to say, no, that's just added on the end. And that's fine, but yeah essentially in australia and a lot of countries if you're a creative you're a business so this is business head you have to activate which is for a lot of us quite difficult because that's not our way of thinking we're about the art and the making but yeah there's a business element that unfortunately I have to factor into and i will add in here that there's no specific way to price there's every artist will have their different overheads and different you know amount that they might charge them, like, have this their hourly rate or they might charge for a specific number of things that they're making for you. So, yeah, that, that there is no hard and fast rule. It's it's an ongoing debate within the art realm of how do we price things. There's no set school of thought
0: yeah. on it. I mean, it also, I suppose there's, there's so many factors in how you price that sort of thing too is, you know, dependent on skill and experience, uh, again, like you said, they might have a much better setup and that which all costs money there's overheads that you have to pay for so that may increase the cost of commissions compared to someone who just does it on the side now and then who would do it on the cheap exactly you can't can't sort of have a standard price when there's such a gap in what you could be getting
1: and that's it and for me i feel like i've almost found the sweet spot for my skill set and for what i'm offering I also have the ethos with my studio, which has always been, which is I want art and graphics to be affordable, accessible, so that you're not priced out of a market. But at the same time, I also have to make a living. So I'm finding that little bit of balance between the two things. So, you know, I've got my emotional thing of, I want to make sure that everyone can, as many people as possible, can access art at the same time. I also need to make sure I can pay the bills. So yep. the studio doesn't that's run on fairy right. dust, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: that's exactly right. Because yeah, at the end of the day, you are doing as a uh, job. I don't know if it's your career. It's, it's my job. It's...
1: <laughs> it's, it's taken a while for me to actually be able to say that out loud. It's my job, and I'm um, yeah. So my studio is my business. So.
0: No, that's very good. That's very good. I've actually I've got a friend whose wife is a very talented artist. She's more of a traditional on canvas. Oh, beautiful type of artist. And I've. I've actually spoken to him because I, and if he's listening to this, sorry if I get this wrong. It's been a long time since I've spoken to him about it. But uh, last I checked, she was actually only working at a, uh, a service station, mm-hmm. uh, casual. And I said to him, "Look at trying to get commissions for Twitch work because she hadn't wasn't getting commissions anywhere else." So if she's happy to do things like emotes and that sort of stuff, she could, you know, do her passion and be paid like well, fairly well for it. So
1: Well, I mean, if they are listening, there's this government program called the New Enterprise Incentive Scheme, which is actually how I managed to get my studio set up. And it's they put you to a a business course, but it's not a business course in the traditional sense. It's a business course that's centered around your business idea. And then you come out the end of it with a qualification. So I have a certificate for a new small business. And then you have for the 12 months of the program, you have access to a mentor that will be with you whenever you need them. You have specific appointments with them, but they will support you through your business uh, journey for that first 12 months. Cause your first 12 months to two years are your most vulnerable points. So, they will help you get your business idea off the ground. And if you want to start an art studio or, you know, teach people how to paint or any of that sort of stuff, even content creation, I think, could probably be able to do it depending on how you approached it and did the business plan for it. That sort of stuff. Yeah. You can be your own boss and sometimes there's funding available as well to support you through that portion of that 12 months too. But for me, that's how I managed to get the studio off the ground finally. And uh, particularly through COVID, they were very helpful. So yeah, definitely look into that's, the new enterprise incentive scheme.
0: That's very interesting. That's actually a really cool concept. Thanks for bringing that up.
1: No, you brought it up, so I just sort of went in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, moving on to the next one that I've sort of got here. Do you remember that uh, tweet you'd actually shared on Twitter there? Yeah, I just which essentially said it if up. you commission an artist to do like an emote, please ask them before you use those for Like merchandise material or whatnot? Yeah. So, both because that's not within the scope of the original commission, but also because of, like you pointed out, because of compatibility issues.
1: So, when an artist makes an emote, generally when they provide you with their finished product, They'll make sure you get the, the, the three or four size three sizes that Twitch wants, although I think now Twitch has changed things, so you only have to upload one specific size and they'll do all the resizing for you. That size is actually very small, so biggest size that you're going to upload to Twitch is 112 pixels by 112 pixels, which is very tiny. So. When you say you wanted to resize that for merch, and merch is generally requiring an image uploaded about the 3000 square size generally in most instances for like say Streamlabs and Stream Elements, that is quite a different amount of sizes. So what that's gonna do is that'll stretch the image and blur it, a bit. It'll be, the detail won't be refined. So whilst you might feel like, oh, you've done a great thing, you've put the merch, you've got an emote on, on your merch and it's, you know, it helps you, it helps the artist, If the image doesn't look good, that can actually backfire on the artist themselves. And also you as the streamer that's selling this merch, the merch isn't going to look good. So no one looks good. Essentially for me, if I know someone wants an emote or a badge that I want onto merch, for example, I'll make sure that that, I'll find out where they're looking at merch first and I'll check their print image requirements just to make sure that what I'm providing the client is right. Because there are different types of printing out there so
0: just just before you go too much further i've actually got um with that do companies like um for example Streamlabs or um what's is it vista print in australia is very big you've got do they make
1: vista print
0: information really readily available uh, to you
1: vista print i found sometimes is a bit tricky to get information from I don't personally use them for printing for my business cards. I actually went through a different provider called Moo. Uh, <laughs> it's not Australian, but the quality is up there. Uh, but in terms of, say, Streamlabs, I think they have a bit of information about what they look for in an image size or resolution and uh, how many pixels, like the pixel density or the, that they want for their image. And I think Stream Elements is very much similar. Uh, most of them will have it somewhere sometimes it takes a bit of looking but essentially yeah if you're looking at say approaching an emote artist and you say oh so just say to them i also kind of want this on merch is there what's the additional cost and is it okay for me to put it on merch and it's a very simple conversation essentially different artists will might have a different amount they charge for their emote or the, the fee they charge to for you to put it on merch because when you're asking to put it on merch you're asking to have the permission to reproduce their work and make a profit from their work so that's why some artists will have that additional fee because you're making a profit from mass producing an item of work outside of, you know, what they originally were commissioned for. An emote is used on Twitch and so it's only really used in one place. So it might be used on Twitch and Discord. I'm not sure if YouTube does emotes. I haven't really dabbled much into that. So, <laughs> But when you're looking at putting something on merch, you're asking to reproduce and then make a profit from that reproduction, and the artist is doing the right thing. It gets back to being the, a good person in terms of asking, "Hey, can I put this on merch? Is there an additional cost for me to put it on merch?" And this is who I'm going through for merch. It, I think they want an image to be about X, Y, or Z size. Is that okay? And most artists will give you the price for the additional cost and probably let you do it. But it's just, it's just common courtesy because you, as an artist, you're making something for a specific platform or a specific purpose if you're then that work is then going somewhere else that it's not designed for again it gets back to you. your work's not going to look good and it's not going to be looking good for the client either yeah i'm not sure if that answers your question
0: yeah no it it does It's, it's pretty well spot on Because of the uh, length of this episode, I've decided to make it a two-parter. But do come back and listen to the next part of the episode. We'll be talking about things like printing on different materials like t-shirts compared to viewing it on a monitor like emotes. And we'll also speak a bit about copyright in art used on Twitch. As always, you can submit questions to us at bbmpodcast at bigbrainmedia.org or tweet at bigbrainmedia and mention the podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next time.